Welcome, everyone, to the greatest show on the Dan Jay's Comedy Hour podcast I hate you. network. <laughs> I'm an- Dan Miller, uh-huh. and with me is a man mm. who often needs some sort of introduction. I require it. My co-host requires it. It's part of, it's a writer in his contract. Yeah. Jason Klom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I believe uh, he will introduce perhaps a third person to join us Holy today. Holy shit. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I was. nailed it. Nailed yeah, it you every did time. Nail it. I will tell every you, I was, time. I was very afraid you were going to try and do an English accent. Thank God you didn't. Our guest this week is Russell Howard. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, chaps. Uh, I'll say this now. Um, Dan, you should introduce the uh, the wrestling. <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Because that's what we've never seen in WWF. We've never seen, like... Somebody really not try. Like, here comes a guy. Here comes Coming a guy in. wearing, yeah. you know, what looks like spandex. He looks pretty oiled up. <laughs> I, yeah. I think. I think. Oh, here comes another one. Oh, Carl or or Kevin. Something yeah, like yeah, yeah, Undertaker. Right. Undertaker. I was close. Yeah. Carl or yeah, Kevin. Whatever. I mean, yeah. Actually, I don't think the world's ever seen utterly indifferent commentary. <laughs> like that is, you know what I mean? Of like, oh, he's hit him, and I uh, guess it was hard. Uh, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And it just always, it constantly drifts away. That would that would be. Do you know they do that in the cricket? The cricket is the only one I know. Um, the commentary for that is excellent. If you ever get the chance, I know it's not really an American sport, but because it goes on for eight hours, the commentator and it's it, you know it's a bit like a chess game. It's just a guy bowling. Mm-hmm. And then very often the batsman stops it with his ball and they go again. So as a consequence, these guys are filling time and it's absolutely magnificent. So you have these world-class athletes batting and bowling and hitting and running and you get invariably old men going, what did you have for tea last night, Jeff? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I had a lasagna. All right. Yeah. Chicken or or mincemeat? Chicken. Oh, very nice. And all the while these... (laughs) These multi-millionaire sporting brands are like <laughs> hurling. It's, it's really good. I recommend oh, it. That's beautiful. Yeah. I don't think I knew, you know, you always hear the, the you know, oh, a cricket game can go on for days and days. I didn't know that the bare minimum is eight hours. That is um, distressing well, well, to me. So it's, it's eight hours a day, I think, at least. Is that how it goes? Okay. And then it's and then it's over, like, a, it can be five days. And it can still be a draw, which I know blows the mind of Americans. Do you know what I mean? That you have you have a working week and no outcome. Yeah. You're like, but, just shit or get off the pod. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, again, yeah. That, I mean, that isn't a phrase you'll ever hear in cricket. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, I put it to you, sir, that you should shit or get off the pot. You know. It's, but that's what I like about you already, Dan. You can't like you're either indifferent or really angry. You never quite know what it's going to be. I've got a, I've got a range, just nothing in yeah, the middle of it. Yeah, it's just exactly. There's, it's either eh, or fuck you. Fuck you. Nothing in between. Yeah, I have to respect you. That's why I had to get this new mic that has a compressor in it because when I'm yelling, that is true. It just it, it yeah. just distorts, man. That is actually true. Dan does when I, scream. When I, when, yeah, when I do my Alex Jones impression, well, like I just usually blow out. But oh, now I, I now I can be like, gay frogs are buying my pills and they are getting stronger and destroying America. Yeah. That's good. good. That's not yeah. bad. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. That's beautiful. Um, Russell, I would, I would uh, be remiss if I didn't uh, tell you that you're here to promote something. I think you knew that, but um, would you like to tell people about your special, which we have seen and which is a, a delight? Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I've got a new um, Netflix special out called Lubricant, um, which is going to uh, really disappoint perverts because there's <laughs> very little mention of KY jelly or, or kind of Vaseline or whatever your lube of choice is. I don't um, know, but you spend a good five, seven minutes t- talking about people being attacked by sex toys. So, I mean, you have a balance there. Sure. that Yeah. I, and I guess for some people, the, the threat of that is enough to get you greasy. <laughs> you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know how it works. They're complicated, aren't they? But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of a Netflix special, which I recorded in August this year. And uh, there's like a documentary about which was going to be about a world tour, which turned out to be a documentary about making a special during COVID. And um, yeah, I'm really pleased with it. It's gone down great. So, yeah, it's always that weird thing when you make a 
you, you know, it's very different putting out live shows because you're in the room and you can kind of conduct it and uh, manipulate it however the gig is going. But it's that weird thing when you put out the album, as it were, that you just have to let it slide and see what happens. But yeah, the response has been great so far. So yeah, sweet. Did you do the thing during COVID? Uh, I mean, we're still in COVID, but uh, during like, <laughs> yeah. your height of it, uh, did you at any point try doing Zoom shows or is that, that's just not? No, I kind of, I, the problem with Zoom shows for me, you only ever get that kind of, <laughs> yep. kind of do you know what I mean? That kind of <laughs> like, sort of, you know, eh, just a small kind of like, you know, like just bored goat response from people. And it, it's so kind of fourth wall that, that, and particularly because during the first lockdown, I kind of wrote loads of stuff. I kind of didn't want to lose faith in it or mm -hmm. in the new material. And I didn't want to perform it to people that, because of the sort of because of the nature of zoom you, things can't grow it's a really good place for a kind of you know to a degree you can do fully formed stuff mm -hmm. but kind of stuff that you want to grow zoom doesn't really fit and also i couldn't take the judgment of my uh of my house because i've got like a jürgen klopp there i've got some mm -hmm. weight there <laughs> i've got um, freddie mercury rufus wainwright various drugs um, and, um you know Kind of healthy drugs, but drugs nonetheless. And it's just <laughs> you sort of like I have a sort of a level of celebrity in the UK that it would just be in the papers of like, mm -hmm. you know, like that guy, you know, Jurgen Klopp in the background. I mean, he very much looks like me. So it kind of looks like I have this kind of sort of slightly dreamy version of myself wearing a suit in the corner. Um, <laughs> That's actually happen. a really good idea, Jay. We should get that. I'm going to do that. We should both have mm -hmm. slightly dreamy versions of ourselves yeah. as stand-ups behind us every time we do the show. Yeah. Yes. And occasionally like refer to it. I might actually yeah. make mine just an actual Russell Howard stand-up, and here's why. Uh, did the basic math. You're only four months older than than myself, Russell. Um, and so, therefore, Dan and I, before you came on, were fantasizing about how you're roughly, you're basically what would have happened if, uh, as Dan said, if, if I'd stayed in the UK and tried. And, and I feel <laughs> like, yeah, and what I'm saying is I definitely had been as famous and successful. I'd still have my hair. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's just yeah. science. The glasses thing is dead on. We both have glasses. That's great. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. So Nailed basically, it. I think that's that's we're basically celebrating an alternate universe version of me. So that's how I'm going to look at today <laughs> to make myself feel better. Well, I'm enjoying that. So, so were you born in England? I was. I was born what in about? Swindon. Oh, holy shit! So we are the same neck of the woods. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think I would roughly talk like your mother speaks. I think I'd have her yeah. accent. Yeah. You you would definitely, and it, there's, there's, you've got that twang, mate. So do all your relatives be like that? Mm -mm. How are you getting on in London, Jace? <laughs> Jesus Christ, mate, where's your, where's your mane gone? Where's your locks? I what wish happened? I had that. Do you understand? Both my parents are American, but I was born on, I was born on British soil. For some reason, wasn't born on base at RAF yeah. Fairford. I was born on, at Princess Margaret's Hospital, which is no longer there. And uh, yeah, so if we'd have stayed though, which we could have, why the fuck? Yeah. My my mom's this weird, annoying Anglophile. Why we couldn't have just stayed there, <laughs> you know? Well, that's interesting. So, uh, so where did you move? You went from Swindon to Swindon to New York very briefly, and then to Germany for four years, and then to back to the U.S. and then settled in upstate New York, where I met Dan. So well, I wouldn't have met Dan, but I mean, not that big a loss. <laughs> but that's pretty cool, though. I mean, New York and Germany. Mm -hmm. you would definitely take over Swindon. Listen, I've got no problem with Swindon. Sure. You know, it's, it's an okay place. But I, my only, here's a, here's a weird story about Swindon. So I did some gigs in China probably six years ago, mm -hmm. and you had to submit your script to the Chinese government. Oh, sure. insane. insane. I've never had an experience like it. But you're like, yeah, fine. So we did that. And it was from a show in Swindon, right, that I'd done. So it happened to be a script. So the first 15 minutes is little bits and pieces about Swindon. <laughs> so I did this gig, I did this gig in Beijing, and there's like a thousand people there. It's a mix of kind of expatriates and kind of local Chinese. And at the end of it, there's an official from the government there who is going, What what why no mention of the uh, the roundabouts? And <laughs> You, you didn't mention Greg's, and I was like, <laughs> and you know that moment where you're like, um, 
you're trying to explain how comedy works and you're going <laughs> well, it's, it's because we're in Be beijing and you know so i was talking about people eating chicken feet because that didn't really happen in sweden and he was kind of going but you should have informed us and it's like oh, okay no. but you know it was a real window into like yeah wow man yeah <laughs> very he was he was genuinely a little bit peeved that oh, i hadn't gosh. done really specific <laughs> swindon based material to chinese people in beijing you know that chalk horse on a hill over there yeah <laughs> exactly, mate, exactly. Oh, it was but it was really fascinating that you kind of go so that was kind of one of the reasons why like probably won't do any more gigs in china it seems seems a bit strict wow a little, little bit yeah yeah the weird and thing is so where we ended up settling in upstate new york is mm -hmm. sort of of uh, places in the U.S., it, it it is slightly famous for some of its train shit. Uh, Oneonta, New York, which is the nearest city to where uh, Dan and I grew up, had yeah. the world's largest roundabout for years. Wow. Mm -hmm. It doesn't so, exist anymore. It's just a big field now. But No, it's yeah. just a field now, but it was fucking, like, could, I don't remember, Dan, how many cars it was. Like, fucking five cars could just switch around on a giant roundabout. So it was, uh, yeah, when I found that out, when I found out that Swindon was such a big train town um it was uh, a weird coincidence are you close to buffalo no i think how many hours dan was upstate where we lived four hours i think from buffalo i've been to yeah buffalo, but yeah we were, were we were what would be considered central new york you know yeah, how so, there's yeah. like that little on the bottom there's that little corner that goes down right there we're like just yeah. a little bit off that corner right little, right little. there smack dab in the middle of fucking nowhere yeah yeah the, yeah. the only thing currently that would be of interest in that area is that we would be about we lived about half an hour from cooperstown which is where the baseball hall of fame is right that's it yeah. <laughs> that is it yeah what's what in buffalo it? russell i would like to know what your buffalo yeah. story is my my friend joe um who was uh he was the director an american guy um and he directed the travel shows that i did with my mum. oh yeah he grew up in buffalo and the way he mm. speaks about Buffalo uh -huh. is like it's something out of a Tim Burton film. Uh -huh. like, and he told me one of the greatest stories when he was, so Joe is 53, I think. And when he was young, he, he said wild dogs were just a part of life. Like, so, you know, there were lots of dogs off the leash when he was doing a paper round growing up in Buffalo. And these dogs would kind of just run at him if they saw him. And so you would have to jump as a young boy in Buffalo, you'd have to jump on a car and try and oh, stay on that car until the dogs <laughs> grew weary and ran off. But you then had the risk of the the people of the town going, get off my car, because they'd rather <laughs> see a boy bitten than have a dent, a dent in their car. And he told that his dad about right. well, he told his dad about this predicament that he was in. And his dad, his dad, and bear in mind, he's nine at this point. His dad went, that's tough. Um, I've got the perfect idea. And he gave him a gun. I knew it. <laughs> so, oh. so it's, this, it's this situation that he was basically saying to his nine-year-old son, you will have to shoot a dog. <laughs> like, doing his paper round. And it just, it just, that's why I was curious as to whether you two were buffaloese to see whether you had similar <clears throat> sort of experiences but can you imagine i mean that is a real window into how the world has changed whereas oh. now you know you have the image of the dad marching down and talking to the, the yeah, local right. authorities and we need to do a thing about these stray dogs versus you have to you have to kill that beast it is the only way you have to shoot the biggest let them know who you are it's just old fun. yeller too this time it's personal yeah 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 oh, can you imagine that? imagine wow. the trauma of like blasting a dog in the face and yeah. going to school and trying to learn maths well this like, is the thing like, like we grew up in hillbilly country so i wouldn't oh, yeah. be surprised if people had that yeah. experience yeah, i had half worldly parents who at the very least were like no guns thank you uh yeah, no yeah, violence yeah. etc don't be racist etc so I, I at least had that little enclave of common sense but yeah, 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 i knew yeah. that was around us for sure lots of i mean growing up you know we would have the whole thing of oh it's hunting season so they went out hunting and then they just leave the rifle in their truck while they're at school like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was not uncommon guns guns wow. everywhere crazy yeah. crazy uh, I, I will talk about one other Hall of Fame, though, Russell. Uh, you'll probably be surprised oh, to hear this. Uh, Oneonta, New York, 
and I think we bring this up anytime anybody's English on yep, the show, yep. but I have to. Oneonta, New York. You've never heard of it, correct? Is that that's fair? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. It's small. It's te- I think it's ten thousand people uh, during the normal year, and then school year it's thirty thousand. It's it's a college town. Right. Um, <laughs> it is home to <clears throat> what we would call the soccer hall of fame, or was. The world, somehow, the Football Hall of Fame was in Oneonta, New York. Wow. That makes no sense to me. I still can't figure it out. Mm. Do you have any theories? I have a theory. (laughs) Um, My theory is that um, American soccer took over, it took off a little bit in the 70s when Pele and George Best and Johan Cruyff and those kind of, they were playing for the New York Cosmos and all that. And I wonder whether Pele took a shining to the uh, the town that you mentioned, and um, and said this is where the place should be. I hope it was something that nice. My other thought is it's thirty minutes from Cooperstown, the baseball Hall of Fame. Fuck it, let's put the soccer Hall of Fame here. I still, yeah, that's my first thought, but I still am not sure why. We never knew why growing up why the, it was here. We knew that there's no way this is the center of it somewhere and in another country go? and because well, presumably it wouldn't mean a huge amount if, it, if it's the football world world of fame you go there and you're like oh wow just look that's a photo of uh fatty folk the famous uh 40 stone footballer that broke the crossbar do you know what i mean that isn't going to mean a lot but to mm-hmm. me it doesn't but it's a great name <laughs> it's fatty folk yeah man and like have you ever seen the photo of garincha it's one of the greatest garincha is one of my favorite footballers so he was a brazilian footballer that was he kind of starred in the 1962 and the 68 World Cup. He was born with one leg shorter than the other. Mm-hmm. And he got his name because he would collect the garinchas, which are the Brazilian sparrows in the rainforest because he was poor and that's what he would eat. And Holy he shit. also lost his virginity to a goat. And he is there is a photo of him with defenders oh, all God. around him. Uh-huh. And he's got, a, he's got a cigarette in his mouth. So he was so good at football. <sighs> He would smoke whilst he played. Oh but again, as a, as a kid, if there was a uh, a Hall of Fame museum with a photo like that, I'd be all over it. But it's not going to mean a lot to to Americans if you're not into football. In the same way, I don't really know who Joe Madden is. Sure. I, I don't you know? either, but we're not very sporting gentlemen. But yeah, I barely know what a Madden person is. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. another yes. important aspect of this is yes. that when it, it it by the way it closed in 2010 oh yeah Jay. yeah yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but in 1999 that they like they had like soccer camps and stuff there was this big building giant fake soccer ball inside but that mm-hmm. was not the original soccer hall of fame building this cool looking thing in literally the middle of nowhere but it was halfway between Oneonta and Cooperstown so Jay's theory on that one mm-hmm. is probably true um mm-hmm. Before that, it, it was uh-huh. founded in 1979 in Oneonta, that actual building. Okay. So it's a it was about as old as me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before that, it was basically like this just little square building. Like it looks like one of those like little office spaces, like where you'd go to see a dentist or something. That's so that weird. was the soccer hall of fame, was this like 700 square foot. <laughs> tiny little office building and we're like yeah yeah well Fuck i mean yeah, soccer i you know i know everybody at our school was big into soccer so i mean i guess that could have something to do with it's because we weren't big enough for wrestling and football that's true literally that's the reason why we couldn't actually put together the teams but soccer we were so soccer and baseball was what it where it was at that's fascinating oh. <laughs> so did you did you play uh, soccer or baseball you two or not no, uh, well, I didn't. I'm when sorry. I was in sixth grade, I was on a league, and that bench was warm AF. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Until the end, sported. when they had to let me play, right? Like <laughs> you, you can't see, but my legs are pencil thin, so I can't even run. Um, <laughs> I can do nothing. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna force you to deal with the, the, the terrible conceit of this podcast, which is we're here to talk about us, and yeah, sure. so I'm gonna play a sketch that is. It's part of a sketch. So Dan and I did a comedy album. Yeah. Uh, we we've released two comedy albums, period, uh, in our in our whole lives. But we've made about thirteen, most of them for family uh, members, and usually during Christmas. We're big on Christmas specials, um, which is why I figured, <laughs> you know. Uh, so uh, this is I'm going to share my screen and share sound. So this is going to be 
Very exciting. So this is the bi biography of St. Nicholas. Uh, this came out, well, we made it again in 2000, Dan, or 2001? One of the two. Um, yeah, something there. Oh, 2000. It's going to be, uh, yeah. Well, I'm just going to play it, and then we can discuss how, yeah. It's from the album This Holy is Oops. Us. Yep. Say again, sorry? It's from the it's from album This Ho is on us. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, every on every us. Christmas album has Ho in there somewhere. Yeah, because we're children. We're absolute children. We now return you to biography. Saint Nicholas was only three when he laid his first golden egg, but local preachers noticed him right away. I first noticed this boy, this Saint Nicholas, as a young man who laid golden eggs and sold death metal bootlegs. I recommended he sell the eggs. He didn't listen. Pastor John Christopher, 1203. Well, this didn't stop young Nicholas, who soon became an entrepreneur on his own. With a dwindling death metal bootleg business, he decided to start a toy shop. At first, his only toys were his self-laid golden eggs, nude pictures of Maury Povich, and dream catchers he made in his spare time. Although his business soon fell through, Nick thought of a new plan. He could make money by holding children for ransom, and hold he did. His earnings by the end of his first year were enough to prevent him from having to lay golden eggs for the rest of his life. During this quality time with children, however, he learned how to make the toys they liked. Such popular items of the day were spoons, pants, and breathable air. Once he learned the tricks of the toy-making trade, Saint Nick was on his way to becoming the legend worshipped worldwide on Christmas Eve. We will return to biography after these messages. So many mouth sounds. I must say, boy, oh boy, was my 20 years year, sel year old self just fascinated with my own mouth sounds and not mm. cutting them out. Holy Christ. Russell, first impressions. I love the premise. <laughs> I, I really do. I like the idea of like, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's a funny look behind the scenes of a very mm -hmm. famous brand. I think, yeah, I quite enjoyed it, if I'm honest. I like, but I'm, I'm big on anyone that has the courage to make a thing and listen i'm not going to say it's going to be a global smash but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i bet you you two absolutely love doing it and for me it kind of reminds me of the sketches i used to do with my friend sam mm -hmm. when we were kids and it kind of didn't matter about where it went it was the doing yeah. so mm -hmm. i quite like do you know what i mean i like oh uh, yeah that's kind of me i quite like the uh I know. I love the fact that you two got together and were like, right, fuck it, let's do it. You put real effort in. It's really deft. You're not, you know, like it's all, it's, it's, it's sort of a collection of mini soufflés. Mm -hmm. I mean, of like, there's lots of little kind of nuanced lines. Yeah, I enjoyed breathable air. Got me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was all right. I, I thought it was all right. I thought it was going to be absolute shit, but I thought. It was <laughs> I thought it was all right. I didn't mind it. it I should have asked you to pull out something from roughly the same time in 2000, because I would like to know what 2000 Russell Howard was doing comedy-wise. <laughs> I honestly would have. Well, oddly, but, well, funny enough, me and my brother had, um, we did a Christmas thing around that time, but we didn't do it on, we didn't record, we videoed it. Mm -hmm. So we had like an old um, DVD, and one of the characters was the the, uh, the fishing wizard. And it would be my brother, and I'd it would be off, me off camera going, So, what? And um, my brother would go, Yes, yeah, right, I'm magic, and I'm like, Prove it. And then it's just a jump cut, and then it's him in a in a pond that was kind of a mile away from my house, <laughs> and he's in there going like that. And then it cuts back to him in the kitchen going, Fucking told you, and that's <laughs> the end of the but um, yeah, that actually pretty... does not sound too far off from the things we used to do. That's uh -huh. what I mean. But, but <laughs> it, was, it was such a blast, man. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of. But my point being, it's sort of we grew up in an era where you had to make your own fun, mm -hmm. and that's what that sketch screams. It's, mm -hmm. it's two young dreamers um, putting together a script. I did similar things with my friend Sam when we were kids. We kind of wrote this entire sort of seventies cop duo um like and the 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 two characters were jumbo moonstar and johnny love and um i love both those names yeah, those totally. are amazing and it was like this kind of pastiche of you know a kind of you know that kind of 70s detective world um yeah and the femme fatale was called bloody mary it was great <laughs> but it was so yeah so it's kind of it reminded me of that it reminded me of kind of mucking around with my mates. And I bet you loads of comics have had that 
sort of experience or kind of sketch writers like Adam and Joe in the UK and whatnot, but you, you have those initial hat sort of ideas. So you guys, how old were you then? 16? 20. 18, 20. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but you were just, but you're just fucking around. Yeah. I yeah. Liked, you know, I yeah, I would around. say um, 16 is probably, I, I would, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe that's like a certain click age because 16 is about when we started doing the slightly shade maybe even black avenger movie like where we actually started oh, we were saying, try- thought we were making well, a movie yeah, yeah, yeah where yeah. we actually kind of tried something as opposed sure. to because before then like like jay said we've been doing comedy since 93 since we were 13 mm-hmm. and then we we're like well all comedy is just improv right so turn on the camera and just do something <laughs> and that's what the majority of our younger stuff is is just like okay sit down and do a thing yeah, and then usually we would do that same thing four or five times with different, like, because there are like, well, you know, usually four or five of us involved yeah. between, yeah. you know, family members and stuff. And so we'd, we'd split off in pairs, basically, and each take a turn doing basically the same premise. Uh-huh. With two different people. <laughs> and then just, different people. And then ape Python when, when we couldn't come up with anything ourselves. That's basically yeah. it. It's so interesting with, like, like, the amount of Americans that I know that are kind of um influenced by monty python because yeah. monty python wasn't on in the uk no one watched it yeah. for my mm-hmm. generation like genuinely and this is sort of before youtube and whatnot so we'd watch life of brian meaning of life that's it but the monty python series have never been on tv since 1980. it's fucking crazy <laughs> you know it's funny. Really, but it's really fascinating so you talk to americans and they're always like so did you grow up on Python and right. Benny Hill and stuff like that? And you're like, no, we used to watch Only Fools and Horses, mm-hmm. you know, which was the big show or Bottom or the Far Show, whatever. It's and it, I, it's so mind blowing to me that it wasn't repeated on British TV. But yeah. This is because we only had four channels, you know. But yeah, you can like, have a limited limited number yeah. of hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, but you, you you I don't know. It's like something where it's like comedy royalty, like. Monty Python, you're like maybe repeat that every so often, like yeah. you know. What I mean? <laughs> but it's it's kind of like kids now going not having seen The Office. It's that sort of seminal. It just seems mm-hmm. so weird. Yeah, you know. But yeah, we uh, have you ever listened to any of the Monty Python albums? No. Okay, uh, it's fair fair enough. Because why would you? You didn't watch the show. Uh, <laughs> I used to have a podcast. My first podcast was called Comedy on Vinyl, and it was about vinyl comedy records. Right. And um, my my offensive position is that the albums are better than the show. And I, I still stand by that, but the albums are worth listening to. The show's obviously worth rewatching, but the al- albums are better. They're better produced. They don't look, look like cheap BBC television from the 60s yeah, and 70s. Right. You know, it's just... Have you just... ever listened to have you ever listened to any of the goons? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. So that the the there's a really nice audio uh and now visual of the time sketch, you know? Echoes, what is time? Oh yeah. It's on uh-huh. YouTube. And if you're mm-hmm. kind of yeah, if you're kind of a deep comedy nerd, that is just it's unbelievable. Like yeah. in terms of like that is a routine, you're like, holy shit, man, that is that is well, bizarrely, it's a timeless bit, but it's so, <laughs> it, the brain behind it is so extraordinary. And somehow you, like you say, kind of weird with stuff like that. It's a lot. It's like a lot of Mitch Hedberg stuff mm. because you're only listening to the words. It's slightly easier to transport yourself to the images somehow. I, sure. yeah, you know, you that's, know what I mean? That's, kind no, of, I absolutely get what you mean. Cause I, I love Mitch Hedberg and I've listened to a lot of it and he definitely he paints pictures with yeah. his some of the weirdness that he comes up with and yeah, yeah i can see that and it's like, definitely see what like, you mean and it's like when you see him like i i'm sure live he was unbelievable but but i don't know there's something about hearing him that that really yeah you really kind of get there well you know? i yeah you you make a really good point because i think jay our formative years with some of the more surrealist comedy that we uh-huh. enjoy, uh-huh. we would just basically sit at your table in your house and listen to those like the, the like the fake radio station tape you had, and yeah. you know we'd listen to you know Steve Martin the and pick of Billy Connolly. Billy that Connolly. Was- that was I actually still remember. Like I still have a pretty vivid memory of listening to Billy Connolly in your dining room. Yeah, yeah. That, like that was that was actually very influential for me. I think. Mm-hmm. I still say no one ever gets it, but I still say I gave her a wee love bite and she farted and flew out the windy. Like that just 
one of it's my favorite bit. lines of bit. anything ever. It's because it's perfect. It's because <laughs> it, you and I, I think, are the only two uh, young gentlemen in uh, upstate New York, New York who grew up listening to Billy Connolly. I dare say we only <laughs> knew him from a show called Head of the Class over here for a season or two. So yeah. he didn't have the career and impact that he deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, he, Russell, Russell, you interviewed our, him. And I yeah, well, he's, so our, he's our Colin, really. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah, bit, absolutely. Bit, you know, so he was the guy for decades that every time he had a bit out, you know, as in every time he had a new video out or a tape, that was the tape of the of the uh, the year and everyone listened to it. And like everyone had kind of tapes of Connolly and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. just genius. But yeah, I, like I say, I interviewed him for my TV show. It's incredible. Sort of one of those experiences where you get to have a chat with one of your idols. It's kind of, oh, okie dokie, there you go. Um, <laughs> um, well, exactly. And now, and now the ghost of Mitch Hedberg is cuddling you. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yes, he was the best man. He was so, and he lives in Florida now. And just every so often you're lucky enough to, to talk to somebody that had such an impact on your childhood. Yeah. It's kind of mind blowing. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh yeah. You can't quite explain to him what he means without coming across as a bit creepy. Oh, I I did that. I had Weird Al was the last guest on Comedy on Vinyl, and I sounded right. like a fucking twat the whole time. But I don't care. It was such a good time. I just didn't care that I sounded like a yeah. Boy. yeah but, but Jay, also- Jay and I became comedy best friends and basically formed our comedy by listening to, ironically, Weird Al Yankovic and uh, 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 these guys, Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Cheech and Which Chong. Cheech and Chong, I don't think have any impact over there. No, I'm not familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, but it's the same. It's the same with Seinfeld. Seinfeld wasn't a big show in the UK. Yeah, it was just like the only. It's one of the few countries where it, it just didn't take off. Yeah, yeah. But like it's really fascinating that this, the time that Friends was kind of massive everywhere and kind of worked here. Seinfeld uh-huh. just the TV show never, never kicked off, and I, I wonder whether it's because of that culture of the the kind of the diner and the the kind of friends having a chat mm-hmm. just didn't really exist in the UK then. Do you know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. you were married and you had a little family or you were kind of, you didn't like, but do you remember the idea that you just <laughs> hang out with your mates as a grown man and woman just didn't exist, you know? Yeah. I wanted to ask you about something. So a couple of weeks ago, um, I did, uh, I used to do this live show called a drinking game, which is like a stage reading of movies and we get drunk. The audience gets drunk. It's a real fun time. Since zoom has started, we don't even bother with audience reaction because we've got so many people in the cast, but we've been doing shows, uh, by zoom. And the yeah. last one we did, which might be the final was Shaun of the dead. And Dan oh, just yeah. told me that you're an extra in Shaun of the dead. Are you an extra? Oh, Are you a zombie? You're not. Yeah, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of weird rumors about mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. I wasn't. Huh. No. It's on IMDb. I know. Liars. <laughs> Those liars. <laughs> liars. I know. It's weird. But there's also, like, there was a thing that made it to the papers two uh-huh. years ago. I was a Scientologist and I was charging people. I was charged. I think I was charging them like 10 grand to meet me in, in like, some. I think like sorry in England and it's just like no and you, and you sort of had to kind of we had to sort of go no I'm not a Scientologist and I wouldn't it's like my tickets are like 25 quid I'm not going to charge people fucking 10 grand kind of, <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like holy um, shit you should have yeah. put some feelers out to see if anyone was interested first and yeah, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> try and to decide whether or not to <laughs> oh yeah imagine that all you need to do yeah. is visit like three people and you you know you're, you're pretty set it, for a few months exactly but then people just look like really disappointed scientologists going i'm not sure he is a scientologist because he didn't really answer any of those questions he sort of just segued back to billy Connolly routines from 1987 I'm, <laughs> <laughs> this guy really knows what he's talking about but um wow yeah that's another one and then there's there was this weird i don't know who started this and this question has been asked me all over the world that I was going to start my last comedy tour by uh, I'd memorized the capital cities of every single country in the world. And uh, and it's like, so that's I on Wikipedia, that. if I'm not mistaken, right? I know now. it's on Wikipedia. <laughs> but it's like, how fucking shit would that show be <laughs> if that's what I did? And 
I said I was going to do it before people <laughs> bought a ticket. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, that's right, here we that go then. Is uh-huh. draw. I yeah, came yeah, to yeah. this show for country capitals yeah. and I left disappointed. Yeah. Well, Zero out of that. 10 stars. <laughs> yeah. Like 15 minutes later and you go, yeah, yeah, I guess you got them all. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, it's like really Now, me, but... if you did it like the Animaniacs did the state capitals sure, and you do a sang song it, it, now yeah, that if, would be also true. bad. But also if you're just terrible. sitting there, you're like, DC America. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Berlin, Germany. Uh-huh. Actually, I don't know. If he did it that way, it probably would loop back around and be funny. It would be funny at some point. <laughs> wow. That is, see, this is the problem with uh, the fucking internet. I, well, I apologize for bringing up some absolute garbage. Um, non fact. We, we cor- we're correcting it. Our, our huge reach will end this. <laughs> Once and for all. Finally. You know, you you really should thank us that we're going to take care of it for you. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Russell, do you have any questions for us? Um, (laughs) So unfair. So unfair. No, you don't. um, Um, My questions. Yeah, I have questions for you. Yeah, okay. um, So are you guys still... Are you still doing live shows in America? And do you think my, my tour, which is meant to start in America... March the 17th in Philadelphia will go ahead. I hope, I mean, here's the thing. I hope so for your sake and your fans. I hope it is brought forward in a healthy and safe way. I'm a person who has not left my house uh, except to move here to Detroit from Los Angeles uh, in, you know, two years. You know, uh, I don't go anywhere. Right. It would take Billy Connolly could say he's he's come out of retirement and I'm doing a show and I'd be like, well, fuck, I guess I'm not seeing Billy Connolly. Um, but I mean, Dan, you're uh, we can talk about it. You're going to see Weird Al uh, at some point next year, right? Yeah. So June, I mean, June in June. So I mean, I'm I'm really hoping that by then at least most folks are are properly vaccinated right? or at least. The venues are actually doing their job. Well, that's it gets the other a, thing. It gets a little iffy here in Idaho. Well, but... yeah, Dan being in Idaho, that's it's questionable. But uh, Russell, we you are the performing least... in Idaho at all? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I'm, okay, because um, uh, no, we are the least vaccinated state. We have a forty-three percent compliance rate out here, and man. we're the least vaccinated city. So, hey, Dan, we're doing great. Hey, we to- got two something totally common states. again. So, so, what took you from? Um, upstate new york to detroit and idaho um well originally i moved to chicago to go to film school waste of time uh went to los angeles to try and break into entertainment waste of time and i just recently in july moved to detroit because you know um that's what you do um when podcasts don't pay for your your lifestyle um but dan dan followed me a bit he followed me to la yeah i went i went to school in oneonta for well i started with computer science but the science that they taught at the local college was not like the kind of computer stuff I want to do. It was Mm. just programming and that was boring. Um, But I did end up getting a job at the help desk there. So I have a computer art degree with, but when I left college, I had three years of computer experience. And then I'm just like, I need to go somewhere with more than four people. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, moved to LA because that's where Jay was. And I knew there would be opportunities there. was there for like seven years. Um, I had met my, Actually, I met my wife, my current wife, through Jay's your sister because they were roommates. Current it's current, my current wife. My future ex-wife. The thing is, when I met her at the time, she wasn't my wife, yeah. weirdly. That's fair. Um, <laughs> um, and so she... I mean, she was she was a military brat, too, but her family basically settled in Idaho, so when we were ready to get the F out of um, right. L.A., um, they're in Boise, which is the the most remote metropolitan area in the United States. Um, right. But so it's kind of a sea of blue uh, with actual things around it that you can do. So it's kind of got that mix of large city and small town together, which I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's how I ended up out here. Russell, okay. are you performing anywhere near Detroit? I won't come see you, but that's because I don't want to die. You have I, to understand, I'm scared of everything. It's nothing you, to do with you. you don't worry, oh. his dad's not going to give him a gun. It's fine. <laughs> I, I am. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? I'll tell you where I am. I'm in... Uh, I should have pulled the list up myself. I'll do it quickly. Uh, Philadelphia, Boston, New York, Washington, Ottawa, which I know is not in your country, Montreal, Toronto, Chicago, Minneapolis, Denver, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, San Fran, LA, 
and that's that. That's a good tour. That's a good tour yeah, of yeah, I think pretty good. conscientious cities. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the other thing is you're going to places that I think will be following some actual rules. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? When are you going to be in Seattle? What day? Uh, I will tell you. We're in Seattle towards the end, which is uh, uh, the 2nd of April. 2nd of April. Oh, I don't know that. My, my sister-in-law lives in Seattle, so we go there to see shows quite often. Oh, nice, nice. But we're also, quite interestingly, for, well, for me at least, we're doing, um, we've got a tour bus mm-hmm. for the first time ever. So we're doing the whole kind of like, you know, proper kind of tour mm-hmm. of of the states which i'm fascinated to do just to kind of see the bits because i never really get to feel i never feel like i get to the kind of real america as it mm. were because like you say i'm doing the kind of i don't know it just feels like the east coast west coast kind of tour of the standard cities but yeah. it's sort of on the rare occasions when we've sort of like driven to gigs i remember going to a place called chattanooga mm-hmm. and and, and and just like finding it really fascinating because there was a shop there that was selling uh, fireworks and peaches, <laughs> and and that was and that was it. Mm-hmm. It was the only thing they 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 sold. So I kind of went into this shop, and inside the shop there were signs pointing you towards peaches or fireworks, and that blew my mind because it <laughs> indicated that there'd been confusion, and <laughs> like. But but as a consequence, it was just like this. I don't know. It's this like funny little curio that happened. And I often find that happens where, and you get that kind of street level knowledge of a place mm-hmm. rather than well, you, you know, LA people are like this, or you know, New Yorkers are like this. Do you know what I mean? I kind oh, of. Yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah. much more interesting when you kind of get to kind of feel the bones of a country. And I don't know if I've done that with the states. I still sure. feel like I'm kind of, you know, it's a, it's a it's a lot of bones. It's fair. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Like even New York, like you're talking about, you know, Buffalo, like that's, you know, Buffalo, Rochester, Utica, like those westerns part of New York yeah. is so different from where Jane I grew up, central New York, which is so different from like northern New York, which or is like city. Appalachia. And yeah. then you go down to the city. Right. And that's a completely different thing. And, you know, I grew up being told I live in upstate New York, but then you get down to the city and they're like, no, you're not upstate. Upstate's just, you know, that place like 20 minutes outside the city. And I'm like, no, that's the city. What are you talking? Yeah. So it's like, and if you go like, I have, I I know people from the Buffalo area and they have a completely different life experience than I had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just in one state. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of (laughs) like to go back to him, you wonder if that's why sort of George Carlin was so, excellent because he was constantly on the road he was Mm. kind of touring all these places so almost had just his his feelers out for america as it were Mm. yeah and was then constantly able to kind of educate america about itself time and time and time again you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's probably very true you know it's interesting and it's something i never really got to talk about on the other podcast so i'm just going to hijack this part of the show um it's just that like uh, billy Connolly's trajectory as a stand-up and when he was doing stand-up nobody was doing stand-up in the uk it wasn't really an industry there yep. were some stand-ups but it mm. became more of an industry in the 80s it started to finally build up with like nigel planer and all those other guys who were building it up as a thing uh mm-hmm. but he he started out obviously as a welder and all this other shit, but an actual folk singer and then became a stand-up, which is in the fifties and sixties, that was a traditional trajectory for stand-ups in America. It really is. Yeah. Go from folk singer to comedian. But Billy really? Connolly is like the one guy in the UK and like obviously some of it still over overlaps in the seventies when he was still playing music, which honestly is yeah. still some of my favorite parts of, of his act. I'm, I'm sure that vaudeville is probably an extension. Like yeah. it's an extension of vaudeville, right? Sure. Absolutely. You had, you had to have multiple talents in order to even be interesting at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was also one of like, we had a lot of kind of light entertainers, which mm-hmm. is a phrase. I don't know if you have that phrase, but it's use those- it, but we have it. But you yeah. know what I mean? It's sort yeah. of that, like, what we'd call end of the pier type mm-hmm. comic, a Butlins comedian. And a Butlins, Butlins is kind of, I guess, what might be the cat skills for you guys, where you sure. have the, you know, the the guy that's looking after the kids during the day, but then he's also doing a turn at night and it's mm-hmm. fun for all the family and it's ooh, uh, misses and all that. Mm-hmm. And Connolly was the first kind of like shit kicker that kind of came along and, 
you know, kind of swore and was kind of like working class and had a bit of attitude and a bit of rock and roll and a bit mm-hmm. of, I don't know, he, like he wasn't, he wasn't searching to be on TV in a way that the kind of the cookie cutter comics of the time mm-hmm. were. Yeah, like, that, you know, the kind that of makes sense. Rough and the trying to be on TV, he was kind of wearing skin tight kind of like jeans and had like banana boots and stuff. So he was the first, but you're right. He was the only one for kind of like a decade before kind of like alternative comedy came along. And like, you had all like the young ones and French and saunas and stuff like that. But even when I was a kid, like stand up just wasn't on TV at all in the way that it's exploded since like on TV and it's kind of stopped again now, but sort Mm -hmm. of, I would say in the mid noughties, to about 2016 it like stand up was everywhere having never been and all we had was sketch comedy and we haven't had sketch comedy in the uk now for probably 20 years it's mm. kind of just it's not a thing it's really it's amazing how cyclical it is and we have lots of panel shows which sure. you guys don't you don't have at all in the it's states weird, yeah it? it's kind of but it's fascinating but then and we have we have one chat show and yet you guys have m- millions of chat shows. It's so interesting how, particularly with Americans and the comics being so funny and sort of great improvisers and confident, it sort of feels like a like panel shows would be perfect. It's so oh, odd yeah. that they've it's, never- It is odd. Thought. I mean, we have a lot of people here that I think would make it totally bang up what i lie to you like we have so many people that totally do that i immediately go to jimmy pardo i'll call him friend of the show even though he isn't hasn't been on this show but he's been on my other shows jimmy pardo would be great Mm-hmm. Um, fuck. Who else? I don't know. You know. Although I think the way they do it is get an, an American and and just bring over some an English expat who who decided <laughs> they wanted to also just to make it feel a little more English and and I I or just go super American. I mean, I I watch those. There are there are just three, grab AOI and just put them on any show. That's It'll be also fine. true. That it also <laughs> fine. Uh, I just feel like there are people nerds like Dan and I who will watch those things on YouTube when we can get a hold of panel shows or. Yeah like taskmaster is finding an audience here um you know that kind of stuff um yeah i don't know i i i also i'm not sure why that is i'm not quite sure why because i remember you know when i was young and i didn't always get the jokes but i used to watch the half hour comedy hour like it was Mm -hmm. just you know constant stand-up comedy like Uh three people in a half hour period Mm -hmm. once a week and i loved that show yeah but but i think that's the that's the fascinating thing isn't it that Mm -hmm. you kind of go clearly there's like you know there's there's clearly an appetite for it particularly kind of where we are at in the world and it you know i I don't know if it was the same like you guys said you haven't been going out much but when i was going out after the second third lockdown here um the gigs were just insane man like Mm -hmm. in like and like that's kind of a big part of the netflix documentary that i've done that it was all about kind of like what it took to make a special during a pandemic but i was doing gigs in like woods car parks mm-hmm. um kind of alleys anywhere and the 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 british audiences suddenly became american overnight it was incredible like <laughs> there's big gigs in the states always feel like there's such a lovely energy and people are so desperate to have a good night whereas in england there's always that attitude of come on and come make me laugh you know it's that real <laughs> kind of like you better be funny because I've paid fucking money here, but I'll tell you what, I'd be <laughs> delighted if you're not. I'd be delighted because that's the story we want, you know, whereas yeah. American, Americans, Australians, the, the energy is, is wild. Like, and, and you think the English are the toughest and then you, you do a gig in Holland and you realise, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I mean, like gigging in, in Amsterdam is one of the most, it's unbelievable as experience. The first uh-huh. time, it's yeah. so bewildering because you have, I remember doing a gig, there's 800 people there. I'm in the middle of a European tour. You know, it's been going really well everywhere else. I do this gig in Holland, just, and you just, all they do is show you their teeth. So they're like, that was humorous. Like that. <laughs> then it, it's like that for an hour. It's like, it's like it's like a wild dog chasing you onto a car. You're like, is that is that a smile or are you being aggressive? Like <laughs> Exactly. And then the show finishes and they all stand up and they give you a stand innovation. It's unbelievable. You have no idea. It's I like the- to imagine when, when you say that the, they're not clapping, they're just standing up and just looking at you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was, but they were and just showing like, their teeth. 
Yeah, the, but they were like sort of bewildered meerkats. And, <laughs> and you're kind of, you're watching them and you're kind of looking to the side of the stage going, is this, I mean, it doesn't feel like it. They're not this, shouting you know, encore. Do they want an encore? I don't. But apparently what they're doing is because they're listening to somebody talk in, you know, their second language, they're just desperately listening because they don't want to miss anything. I get that. So okay. you're, you then have to really um, figure out how to play it. But yeah, they, you know. I get that because the, I basically had that with Billy Connolly. I, I had to really. That's true. The first few times I really had to focus because, especially in his early albums, that accent was yeah. real thick. Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> It's fascinating. Yeah, early doors. He's he's really Glaswegian, and then he becomes, you know, just slightly easy to get. I know what you mean. Um, there's there's I, still a lot of slang on there that goes by me. I mean, I love it and I accept it for what it is, but I don't know what the word shuggy means. It's never going to mean anything to me. But it's he says it a lot. But it feels sort of onomatopoeic, doesn't it? Shuggy. Yes, it does. Like, Absolutely. You, you can kind of feel it out. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. it's a bit like when I would listen to kind of like sort of bill hicks routine when i was uh -huh. a kid listening to arizona bay you kind of go oh there's so many things i don't know what he's talking about okay the la riots okay and mm -hmm. then you kind of google it or you know mm -hmm. you figure out you're like all right cool you like do you know what i mean yeah it's yeah. Sort of, it's amazing how many things i've learned through kind of comedy albums mm -hmm. like do you know what i mean that you go fucking hell wow like i know all about um, Rodney King through that Bill Hicks routine. Wow. Okay. Like, yeah. Because it, it, you know, when I was a kid, that wasn't, you know, I mean, how old would I have been? I don't, I don't even know. It was ninety four. So verse of fourteen. You yeah. know, like, and yet, and yet, listening to that Bill, that Arizona Bay, you get a real feel for the police brutality of that. Mm. You know, and the. Mm -hmm. um, it's incredible, yeah. It's I think there's a lot of history I learned through Bob Newhart and his phone call sketches. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm now realizing what impact does Bob Newhart or presence does Bob Newhart have over there? There's the other question. I have no idea. Because yeah. you've talked about Carlin more than I expected. Yeah, but that's because, but here's the weird thing. I came to George Carlin very late mm -hmm. and, and basically went through all of his stuff in uh, kind of about a week. Shit. And just... It, just unbelievable just yeah. absolutely incredible like and i'm a fan of him am and fm sure just um yeah i just think he's he's absolutely like in terms of like comics you just go jesus he, yeah he is he's jesus he's incredible like but he's consistent <laughs> but again you have to search him out but he george carlin is probably what uh, Billy Connolly is to a lot of Americans, to English people over here. In the, mm -hmm. you know, in that you guys found him through this kind of sort of deep dive of comedy from different cultures. In a similar mm -hmm. way, somebody that's really into stand up in the UK, eventually you're going to get there. Yeah, but, right. But he, he isn't. He isn't being waved in your face all the time. Sure. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. when when you find him, you you realize. You, it's so many there's so many bits of carlin's that you've you've since seen comics do and you go shit man that's so holy shit, so he did that in 1975 <laughs> you know but the whole thing of you know ambling on stage and um mucking around and just saying oh, you know it's like no one starts their uh their job straight away and you're like oh my god that i like <laughs> i have seen that done by mm -hmm. so many comics and he was mm -hmm. doing it in 1974 you know yeah I will say I also really very much like seeing that sort of influence pop up now in yeah. on honestly just specifically I think I was watching an episode of your show the other day and yeah. I, there was something in it that struck me as very particularly Carlin it was some way that you were fucking around with words and you did it with joy and I'm like oh boy does he know who George Carlin is was my first thought and I was yeah, yeah, I'm excited yeah, yeah. to know that that's good yeah uh, yeah he's I'm yeah I'm obsessed with him. I mean, I think he's, I mean, you know, it's, it's the, the age old thing, isn't it? But him and uh, it's the graft of George Carlin. That's why I admire. Not only was he a genius, but you feel the effort he put in, like mm -hmm. just time and time and time and time again, you just mm -hmm. go, Jesus. And like, and it was just this, like you said, not dissimilar to Connolly. You go, this is this one guy that was revolutionizing comedy. And it's just like every three years, new special. 
new special. Yeah, yeah. Just, do you know what I mean? And and ugh, it's just mind blowing, you know. And kind of, and he gets to the stage where the specials are so good that he's just walking on stage without even saying hello and just go, <laughs> "Why is it? Why is it?" <laughs> Pro life. The kind of like, do you know what I mean? But yeah, he just goes, smacks you right in the face. Yep, totally. right up, right up yeah. the get go. Yeah, exactly. But that's how good he is. That it's that I haven't got time to. Like, I assume we're all fine. So let's. Yeah, let's let's, let's get, get going. And then you're just laughing from start to finish. I can't imagine just... George Carlin doing crowd work because be like, where do you work? <laughs> I don't fucking care. Let's move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no. <laughs> it's funny. Eh? I wonder if he did. You know, I wonder if he did in when he was working sets up whether he. He was really straight early on, really straight laced. Like he was legit, like a suit comic, like they were in yeah. the sixties. He was, I mean, he's yeah. also part of a duo first. Him and Jack Burns were a duo, and they mm -hmm. did their their double act. And then eventually, he's still in the suit. And then eventually, he kind of basically tears the suit off symbolically and literally, and becomes this hippie. And then eventually, the hippie kind of morphs into that weird, angry man in the nineties. Yeah, uh, you know, he had a very fascinating evolution to watch. But I, do, I bet early on, he must have. He must have been a crowd work. He, it was, everybody tries. It was probably expected right like i think you know or yeah. strictly scripted that's the other option he might have been strictly scripted but i bet between those two there's got to be a little bit let's feel the room out let's talk to people because he seems he just seems so genteel and conversational and kind especially, I mean. you know yeah. yeah yeah you wonder whether he he had a set and then there was you know okay any questions and was just trying to riff stuff you know right um yeah very interesting russell I want to thank you for doing the show. Pleasure. I really enjoyed that. Um, as uh, as we always end the show, we have two things we end the show with. One is what do you want to promote? And then after that, I'm going to ask you what you want to leave the people with. But first, please tell people where they can find the special. The documentary is also very good. Tell people where they can find everything. So it, the special is called Lubricant. That's on Netflix. And the documentary is also on Netflix straight after that. And that is called Till the Wheels Come Off. Mm -hmm. um, and it is on Netflix right now. I also love the fact that Dan is you're stroking that cat like a guitar. That was lovely. It felt like you were just going to sort of, yeah, it was lovely. Um, yeah, give it a whirl. And what, what was the other question? What would I leave, like to leave the show with? Uh, well, I'm, I'll let you think on what your final words for this episode will be. I'll yeah, let it, Dan promote, and then I'll promote, and we'll come back around to you for what your final okay. words of the episode will be. Okay. Dan, what do you want to promote besides uh, Russell's special? You could... You can find all my things on link.tr. No, linktr.ee slash dgomi. Uh, we have our Of Dice and Dens D&D podcast at odndpodcast.com. I guess you could check out this one you're listening to at j, uh, j, uh, uh, dnj.com. Jesus Christ. Look, it is, it is 8 o'clock in the morning here. That's uh, <laughs> um, You can check me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dgomiller. On occasion, I just play games mostly phasmophobia with friends um yeah okay no. uh find me at jasonklom.com that's j-a-s-o-n-k-l-a-m-m or linktr.ee forward slash also jason klom not also jason klom just jason klom yeah uh, don't confuse the people go listen to comedy on vinyl that's 11 years of podcast people talking about comedy records we've got we've got your uh i was gonna say billy Connolly. i, I wish we got you got your weird al you got your uh nigel planer i'm just gonna name all the english hank azaria no harry shearer was on though <laughs> did have harry shearer <laughs> Uh, Tommy Chong, a man that Russell's never heard of. Um, that's it. Go check those podcasts nice. out. And now, Russell, what would you like to leave the people with? What's a nice thought? If there's anyone from Buffalo and you feel like you're the only person that ever had to think about shooting a dog in the face when you were nine, hopefully this podcast has taught you that you are not alone. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what would you like to leave the people with? Oh, geez. Uh, I guess... Um... <laughs> I'm ah. lucky that uh, I only had to deal with soccer and not dogs. That's fair. Um, I'm I'm gonna leave you all um, with. Uh, I I really wish I had free healthcare right now. Jesus Christ, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for the NHS. <laughs> Dan and Jay's Comedy Hour, the podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Dan Gomiller and Jason Klom. The Dan and Jay's Community Service theme song was composed and performed by Brian Magic Hands Madison. The Silver Jubilee theme song was composed and performed by Nick Robes, with lyrics by Jason Klom. 
have questions, call and leave us a voicemail at our phone number, 747-248-6687. That's RIP2HUMOR with a U. Subscribe to Dan and Jay's Comedy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you can find us. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at DJC Hour and Instagram at Dan and Jay Comedy. Or find everything in one place at danandjay.com. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Goodbye, Dan and Jay's Comedy Hour. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah! <laughs>